Good morning, Life Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Man, 9 a.m. These are the people that really love Jesus, you can tell. No, hey, it is so good to be with you. My name is uh, Pastor Greg. I'm one of the staff pastors here, uh, teaching pastor here. So uh, the thing I love most about my job is I'm usually at one of our four campuses every uh, week. So it's an amazing thing to see what God is doing across all of the, uh, our four campuses. But uh, Germantown is my wife and I's home campus. We live in the area. And so uh, if you're a first time guest here, I just want to let you know you've walked into an amazing place with an amazing community and body of people who really do love Jesus, I promise. I know them. They really do. Um, Hey, Summer at Life Church. Usually for most churches all across America, summer is the time that gives every pastor anxiety because, no, the rapture did not happen. People are just away for summer vacation, okay? But uh, Summer at Life Church, we wanted to make it fun, make it light, make it encouraging. And so I'm super excited that I have the privilege of kicking that off for you this week. Um, what a better way than kick off the summer than talking about faith, right? So if you're taking notes, if you have your Bibles, um, your smartphones, your devices, whatever you're using, I want to just talk to you this morning from the topic evolving faith, okay? Evolving faith. Now, when I say that word faith, I'm sure that uh, we can be all over the spectrum in this room, right? There's, there's some of us who've been walking with the Lord uh, a long time. There's some of us who, you know what? Um, you were like me, um, and your mom made you come to church, right? And you're just like, ah, oh, right? But the word faith, man, it puts people all over the place. There's, there's, there's often times when, when we may not have um, an adequate understanding of what faith is. It can make you nervous. It can, it can uh, have you being apprehensive. It's like, I don't know, it's like taking a risk, and I don't know what's on the other side. And maybe because of that, you have this negative connotation of what faith is. And so it's my hope today that uh, if that is you, that you get to see the beautiful side of faith because uh, we don't want you to think that. And there's others of us who probably, like me, who've been at this journey for a long time. And when we say the word faith, some of you just tuned out. Oh, I know this already. I, I get this. Bear with me. Many of us do. We understand faith. We understand the theory of what faith is. We can break it down for you. But watch this. Understanding does not equate obedience. I'll just take a sip of this. Understanding does not equate obedience. Understanding faith doesn't necessarily mean you live by faith. Wherever we're at in this room, as a seeker, as a follower of Christ, the one thing is mandatory, faith. So what I want to do today is I want to expound a little bit more on what it looks like to have uh, evolving faith, uh, faith that does grow, faith that is not stagnant. I want to do that from uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. What's happening in these first 11 verses is uh, Jesus and my favorite disciple are having a dialogue. Peter, I love Peter. If you don't know anything about Peter, Peter was the one that never got it right. Peter was the one that sometimes, if he was prodded the wrong way, would cuss at you. Peter was the one that, you know, messed with him on a bad day, he'll cut your ear off, you know. Um, 
I empathize with that, okay? If you do too, hey, just keep looking at me. Nobody else will need to know. Um, I love Jesus, but I don't always get it right. So I love uh, seeing and hearing about the life of Peter. But what I want to do is I want to break down what it looks like to have evolving faith uh, from the life of Peter and the interaction we see that he's having with Jesus here in Luke chapter 5. The first thing I need you to understand this morning about what it looks like to having evolving faith is you need the faith to step in. You need the faith to step in. Verse number one of the text in Luke 5 says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on, uh, on him to hear the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who's also called Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught from the crowds. Talk to crowds from there, excuse me. Let me help you understand a little bit about what's going on here. Jesus has arrived on the scene. Jesus is now being proactive in his ministry. Jesus is proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is proclaiming that, hey, I am the one that all of the Old Testament prophecies were about. And let me tell you this, whenever the gospel is being presented, uh, a crowd should draw. This is why I'm not afraid of a growing church. Amen. Because if Jesus is being presented adequately, it should draw people. So there was a crowd that was pressing in. What you got to understand is imagine you all are the crowd and imagine I'm kind of in a similar position as Jesus would be and all of you are coming towards me and in the back of me was the Sea of Galilee and uh, a couple things. Number one, if I'm going to teach and we're at all at eyes level, you're probably not going to be able to see me amongst thousands of people. And then number two, if you keep pressing one of us is going to drown because the Sea of Galilee is right back there. So Jesus, being the uh, brilliant individual he was, he saw these two fishermen, okay? One of those fishermen was Peter, Simon Peter. And the text says this, that, that he asked Peter, he said, Peter, allow me to get into your boat. And then he said, Peter, let's push off a little bit from shore. So Jesus was teaching from the boat so that he wouldn't be... Over, overran by uh, all of the listeners and the followers. What you got to understand about this was Peter was a fisherman, okay? This is what he did for a trade, all right? And every fisherman, uh, the morning after the great catch, they would go to shore, and the proper thing to do was they were to adequately wash and dry their nets because if not, uh, the nets could potentially rot and that's a bad thing if you catch a lot of fish, okay? So Peter is over there and he's just cleaning his nets. Notice it didn't say Peter is dropping off the load up from, from the catch he caught last night. No, Peter is cleaning his nets. Why does that even matter this morning? Here you go. You ready for this? Get your, get your, get your big boy and big girl pants on. We're about to get real up in here, okay? Peter had just failed. He tried something and was not efficient at it. He set out to do something and it did not work. What he had planned would work, did not work. He didn't catch anything. You know what I love about Jesus? If you need an accurate picture of who Jesus is, watch this. Jesus is not afraid of failure. I'll say amen to myself. Jesus is not afraid of failure, okay? 
Many of us, like myself, we can have the two problem. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I'm too lost. I come from uh, too much of a bad family. I made too many different mistakes. There's no way that Jesus could ever want to enter into my life. Whoa, my friend, you don't understand who this man is. Jesus is not afraid of failure. And he says to Peter, he says, hey, allow me to get inside of your boat. Why do I say that? Because the first step in our journey of having faith is allowing Jesus in. Allowing Jesus in. You see, for many of us, we're like Peter. We've we found things that we do, we do very well. We found things that we're efficient at. But hey, if you can really be honest with yourself, sometimes the things I try don't work out and I find myself needing to do something more or looking for something else. If I had a bad day, you know what? I'll find means of coping with it. But guess what? Hey, the hangover wears off. The high runs out, I still find myself with the same challenge or the same problem or maybe even in relationships, you know. Maybe it's like, listen, I'm going to find that special person on ChristianMingle.com and they're going to complete me and you find out the person breaks up with you and now you have a loss of identity. Why am I saying this? Because many of us, just like Peter, we can have faith in things that have an expiration date. And because of that, it affects us. And we find ourselves over and over again trying different things. But the first step of this journey is allowing Jesus in because what you're doing by allowing Jesus in is you're saying, Jesus, I give you permission to patch up the holes in my life. I give you permission to even be acquainted with me, not because of who I am, despite who I am. It takes faith. Notice that Jesus entered into the boat of Peter. Peter had no idea where they were going or what they were going to do. What you got to understand about this was, yes, Peter was one of the 12 disciples, but Peter was not yet called to ministry. He knew who Jesus was. He believed, but he wasn't active. And that's what it looks like when you allow Jesus to come into your life. I don't, I don't really understand where I'm going or what's happening, but I believe. I don't have it quite figured out, but, but I believe. And for some of us today, that's the very first step God wants to say. He says, listen, I love you enough. I don't want to leave you in your failure. I don't want to leave you in mistake. I don't want to leave you feeling brokenhearted. I don't even want you to have to do the work again. I would like to do the work for you. Allow me in. So the first step of this journey to having evolving faith is to have the faith to step in. The second part of this journey of evolving faith is having the faith to step back. Having the faith to step back, okay? If uh, we think about this, there's two components to what I'm calling stepping back. The first step, uh, uh, the first component rather is stepping back and allowing God to lead. You all loved me until this point. It's going to get real. I love you. I'm sorry. But in our text, Luke chapter 5, let's look at verse number 4. The Bible says this, when he had finished speaking, he being Jesus, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Let down your nets 
uh, to, to catch some fish. Watch this. Verse number five. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and did not catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners uh, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. Faith doesn't just stop with you allowing Jesus in. For many of us, this is where I can sometimes find myself. Faith doesn't stop at salvation. No, faith should be a proactive part of the entire journey. You see, once you allow God into your life, because of your relationship, he may call you out a little farther. So they started at the shore, but this time Jesus was interacting with Peter. He said, let's go into the deep. Peter was a believer just like us. Good God, fear an American. Lord of God. Sure, Jesus, you know, cry, yeah, wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. Right? Has no problem. But notice, notice this, notice this within the text. The only place where we see Peter start to have an objection is when Jesus begins to instruct what he does. You can come into my life, but allowing you to take control of what I do, that's a different scenario. We let them in. Oh, but it's a different type of faith to let them lead. You see, Peter was a human just like us. And sometimes being human, we forget who we're interacting with. Because this is the God of the universe. But here's what you got to understand. So Jesus tells Peter, he says, hey, turn your nets to the other side of the boat. Peter does this for a profession. The prime time to catch fish is not during the day. The prime time to catch fish is at night. He was out the night before. He did not catch anything. Jesus, this is not a good time to do it. He forgot that he was speaking to the essence of supernatural himself. Jesus has the ability to make sense out of things that don't make sense. That's good. And he's having this conversation with Jesus. You're okay being in my life, but God, once you begin to ask to take lead of what I do and have control of, of what I do, now, ooh, that's a, that's a different that's different scenarios. It's okay, moms. Just keep looking at me. <laughs> I had a list. I know you did. <laughs> you know, they're even digital now. My wife sends them to me all the time. You know, oh, my God. We don't have any biological children yet, and um, here's why. Youth ministry is the greatest uh, birth control method ever. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really is. Um, so I was a youth pastor for a numerous amount of years, um, and I found myself having a parental moment last summer. You know how you grow up and you'll say, when I get older, I will never, right? I will never embarrass my children. I will never raise my voice. And then I just had this parental moment. So our goddaughter was home from her freshman year of college last summer, and she was over, and we had made plans, and something didn't go her way. And... Um, I don't really remember what happened. It was kind of fuzzy. But all I remember was her finger, and she was like, and I just, you know, I just, just something came over me. I said nine words, 
Nine words that changed her life. Parents, especially if you're parenting a teen, get ready for this. This is life-changing, okay? You're ready for the first five and put a question mark on it, right? She's just going back and forth. Okay, you ready for this? Have you lost your mind? Okay, that's, that sets them up. Okay, you ready for the kidney shot? This is my house. Sweetheart, you're just a mere consumer of my provisions, okay? None of these bills have your name on them, pumpkin, okay? So you don't get to dictate anything that happens in this equation. You know, it just shatters them, okay? Isn't that, that, the thought of that is just mind-blowing, right? Have you ever thought about how we interact with Jesus? The creator of the universe... The Son of God, the Godhead, the Trinity. But let me give you a suggestion about how to handle this, God. Really? You know, I'm glad God's not me. I would get attitude. I would be petty if I was God. Oh, okay. Good. You know. Well, let me tell you how to handle this, God. Maybe God is instructing you to do something. You're like, Peter, well, hey, God, we tried that before, and, you know, that didn't work. And so sometimes our challenge is we think God is just a God of the spiritual, and he's not a God of the natural. And we don't think things pertaining to the natural will apply to God. Let me help you with something, my friends. God is in the super, and he's in the natural. Amen? He cares about what you're doing, what you're going through, what you're failing at, what you're thriving at. It matters to him, and he's in it. But Peter says to me, the most powerful words in the entire text, if you say so, I will. The second component, friends, of what it looks like um, to stepping back is this. Stepping back looks like the ability to step back and see the goodness of God. Let's go on in our text. Verse number eight says this, when Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that he caught, as were the others. The goodness of God, my friend, is not just the anticipation of what God can do for you. The goodness of God is the moment you realize everything he's already done for you. There are two facets to Peter's overwhelmness. Number one, he was overwhelmed by the number of fish caught during the day at a time where it shouldn't have been possible. But I thank God we serve a God of the impossible. And the only problem he had was God blessed him so much that he had to get other people involved. I'm going to get on tithing later. I got you. I got you. The only problem he had. But then there was another facet of this revelation. He realized in that moment who he was interacting with. And he said, God, forgive me. I'm a believer. I say I follow you. Yet the moment you ask to take lead of my life, I have an objection. God, leave me. I'm a sinful man. Again, you get to see a picture of who Jesus was. I don't know about you, but I thank God Jesus remained who he was in the times that I am who I am. He didn't leave him. He didn't abandon him. He didn't uh, 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 embarrass him. 
He was there the entire time. That's the magnitude of the love of God, friends. It has the ability to overlook our own ignorance. And I'm not talking about unbelievers. Oh, I love you, Lord. Yeah, I'm called to faith. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm an absolute guy. I want to go to work. I want to fill out my form. I want to give them my routing number. I want to know when the direct deposit is going to hit. Thank God for the Thursday when it hits. I want to know the exact amount of the paycheck that I get. Cause effect. But faith is not the ability to do things on your own. Faith is the ability to trust God to do it for you. And though, though we may have things that we find our solace in, keep this in mind. It all belongs to God anyway. He's the creator of the universe. God, you breathed me out of dust when I was nothing. I think you can find a job for me if I need a job, Lord. I think you can find the right spouse for me, God. And sometimes we miss the magnitude of what God wants to do for us, friends, because we're just so stuck on, well, this is how I've done it. But maybe God's saying, listen, I want to bless you abundantly, my friend. Maybe God's saying, listen, you've worked for other people long enough. I'm calling you to start the business. But God, I'm going to need this much amount. Uh Uh-huh, I know that, but I didn't ask you that. I just asked you to start the business. If you say so, I will. (laughs) See how that works? Maybe you're already in business. Maybe God wants to take you from a mom and pop shop to a franchise. Oh, God, you know, I've never had. uh, If you say so, I will. Maybe God is, is challenging you. Saying, listen, you've been in church a long time. You've been dating church a long time. How about you get married, join, and become a member? How about you get active and serve and volunteer? How about you get connected to a life group and find accountability and engage in community? How about you look for the opportunities to serve and to just bless other people? But I'm busy. I got this crazy schedule. And I, if you say so, I will. I thank God that uh, understanding is not a prerequisite of having faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own what? Okay, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Sometimes, watch this, your obedience has nothing to do with your understanding. And I find myself having to repent from approaching God with this entitled mindset. Let me tell you how to run everything you created, God. You know what, let me take a moment and be like Peter. Forgive me. Lord, just actually, you know what, God, just depart from me. Why do I say this? Because faith, my friends, faith is not about punishing you or having you walk around aimlessly in the dark. No, faith is God's opportunity to bless you. (laughs) Your good has nothing in comparison to God's great. Everything you can do, fails in comparison to everything God can do. Many of us miss that aspect of who God is because we don't allow him space in our life to do it. I can't imagine what Peter was thinking. 
Peter, I just, I just failed at this, God. I just, and you're going to tell me? God has the ability to have you walk back into the things that you once failed and find victory. I loved before God, my heart was broken. I'll never love again. You know what I love about the Lord? He says this, he's close to the lonely and the brokenhearted. And he doesn't just care about your physical pain, he cares about your emotional pain too. He has the ability to do that. Will you let him? I want to be like Peter. I want to say, Lord, you know what? If you say so, I may not understand it, but I believe in who you are and I believe your word. If you say so, I will. You may not realize what's on the other side of your yes. The last part of evolving faith is this, my friend, is once you've had the faith to step back, you need the faith to step out. Let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 and 11, the Bible says this, his partners, Peter's partners, James and John of the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, if I was Peter, <laughs> I would have said, listen, boys, here's the plan. Jesus just hooked us up real good. We need to make sure that we find, we need to commercialize this. We need to start franchising this. We need to keep, you know, let's expand the business. We don't know when something like this is ever going to happen again. So we need to, he didn't do that. He, the Bible says he dropped his nets and he followed. He dropped his nets and he followed. After God blessed him abundantly and Peter, you got more fish than Anyone could ever imagine for it? Yeah, he dropped his nets and he, he followed them. Why? Because once you get a revelation of who God is, you can't help but respond. The moment it clicks for you that your God will supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory, the moment that it clicks for you that your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the moment that it clicks for you that if he can provide for the birds of the air and clothe the lilies of the valley, how much more can he do for you? The moment that it clicks for you is the moment you live a life of response to God. I don't care about the situation. I don't care about the circumstance. I don't know the outcome, but I know him. And from his track record, he hasn't failed. And I don't think he'll start now. The moment this begins to click, you go from just living to having an adventure. One of my favorite authors, uh, Mark Batterson, wrote this in one of his books. He said, many people approach Christianity like the goal is to arrive safely at the end. <laughs> Let this black pastor of yours challenge you this morning. You ready for this? Live a little bit. Take a risk. Well, I, but take a risk. I'm Norwegian. I get it. Take a risk. <laughs> Try something new. Go somewhere you've never gone. Well, my family, praise God. God made your family. Now try something different. Give God an opportunity. How about you start uh, 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 using prayer as your first method of response instead of your last option? 
And maybe instead of freaking out the next time something happens, let me talk to the one who spoke the entire universe into existence. Instead of having a panic attack, let me talk to the one who could raise dead people and bring them back to life. Let me talk to the one. So many studies now about stress. I'm stressing her. I think, you know, components to stress is like you feel the tension in your neck and your back, and anybody know what I'm talking about? It was like, uh. You know what that is? Stress is just an indicator that you've been doing God's job, and it's probably a little too heavy for you. Put that in your Christian pipe and smoke it later. <laughs> it's gonna hit you on the way home. Oh my God. You've been trying to figure out things that weren't meant for you to figure out. You've been trying to make things work that that's not your place to make work. You've been trying to challenge your kids and, no, they're going to do this. Guess what? They're God's child, and he allowed you to have stewardship over them. Think about it that way. Well, my spouse, uh uh-huh, before he was your spouse, he was God's son. Think about it when it comes to tithing, right? This is the part that, even for believers, it messes their mind up. I know. Here's the deal. You ready? If you can't live off of 90%, you can't live off 100. Let's just be honest, okay? You know what tithing is? It's your ability to give back to God what's his already. Have you ever approached your finances from? They belong to God anyway. They're his anyway. I get the opportunity to give back to him to show a tangible way of showing what it says in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. It's his anyway. It's his job. It's his business. It's his house. It's his. The whole earth, the whole earth, forgive me, and everything in it belongs to him. But sometimes your greatest feat of obedience looks like Peter saying, God, I don't know. But if you say so, I will. Faith is the key to this journey. Faith is the key to having eternal life with Christ. And faith is the key to activating the power of God in your everyday life. And that's what he wants for us. He doesn't want you to stay stuck in failure. And he doesn't want you to live miserably just trying to get through. He wants you to thrive because you trust him. Lord, forgive us today. Sometimes we don't get it, Lord. Sometimes we try to take things into our own hands. And sometimes, Lord, we give it to you and we take it right back. But God, we're just asking today by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us the strength to trust you. To trust you in the unknown and the not knowing and to believe that through you, it can and shall happen. 